FM Breakfast Show with the double L team, Lyle and Lawson. Good morning, everybody, and welcome. So good to have you here on the Breakfast Show this morning. Doing something a little bit different this morning. Special welcome to those of you who are in Westbury, Tasmania, listening on 88. Those of you who are in Nowra, listening on 87.8. And a welcome to those in Strathalbyn, South Australia, listening on 87.6. We're going to do a bit of a special welcome to various listeners from right around the country uh, where you are listening from over the next few uh, days. But uh, Lawson, as we get into today's show, what are you thankful for? Oh, I'm thankful that we've got all these new stations. That's amazing. I've got family who live in Nara. They should listen to the show. I should, I I'm should. not sure that these are new stations. I think they're existing ones that we're just going to highlight. Oh, because we love them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So praise the Lord for them. What am I grateful for this morning? Oh, man. I'm, oh, I don't know. There's some, there's some personal stuff going on in my life that I'm just like, I'm just stewing over, you know, and I'm just like thinking about a lot and I'm just praying about a lot. So if I'd be grateful for anything this morning, it would be your prayers about, it's basically to do with my, with my future and, and what, what I'm, what I'm going to, you know, do with life and different offers and opportunities that I have. He's freaking uh, everybody out right now. You know I, this. Oh, this has nothing to do with Faith FM, by the okay. way. Like, All right. All right. That's <laughs> right. No, we, can, we, can, we can calm down now. <laughs> yeah, Lawson's not making a big announcement here. That, that's right. No, but just some, just some other stuff, just seeing just seeing where my life goes. If you guys want to pray for me, please do so. That would be really appreciated. Absolutely, Lawson. We're always uh, happy to pray for you and for anyone else out there that, you know, if you've got some special things that you'd like prayer for, you know what our number is, 04. 491-064-669. We love to pray for our listeners. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We have begun the breakfast show, which means we are about to get into our quiz. Lawson's going to bring it to you. We have an amazing prize this week. You can get into the draw for that prize by answering as many of these quiz questions this morning as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Every quiz question you answer gets you one step, one one more opportunity to. Win the prize. That's right. Our question this morning is, when Jesus compared a merchant man to the kingdom of heaven, what was the merchant searching for? 0491 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. If you do, you can win our prize for this week, a leather-bound version of the book, Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings. This is an incredible book, one that I have read, one that I love and enjoy so much. And we're giving away an amazing version of it too, like awesome and leather and expensive we're giving away a non-vegan version of it uh, but you know it that that's right it's, you're not eating it and we're not eating it we're we're reading it there's only one book that you should eat that's the bible and not literally and not literally yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> praise the lord zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call or text and again that question was when jesus com- was compared to a merchant man to- when jesus compared a merchant man to the kingdom of heaven what was the merchant searching for okay mm-hmm. know the answer give us a call uh-huh all right positively different news let's hear all about it oh okay i got a few positively different news stories. We'll start with this one, Lyle. This is actually kind of controversial, maybe not necessarily for Australians, but across the world. Okay. Um, in Mexico City, the decision has been made. There has been a poll done reaching out to the rest of the states of Mexico where there has almost been a unanimous ban on bullfighting. Okay. Like, and for those who have never seen a bullfight before, we're talking about like show bullfighting where they get in the, uh, in the ring 
You've seen you've seen this. I have seen this. I have never in person attended a bullfight, but when I was living in Spain, I would you know walk past the stadiums and whatnot. There was a stadium in. I lived one year in Madrid, and there was a few stadiums in Madrid because Madrid's a big big city. I also lived one year in Cartagena, which is like kind of like the Newcastle of Spain, not a capital city, but just like a big city. And they had a bullfighting ring as well that I would occasionally check out. Because I thought it was cool. I'd never been there for a bullfight, but I definitely saw it. It's like, you know, on their like morning news programs, they'll have like the results of like bullfights from the nights night before. And they're like, oh, there was a bullfight in this place and this person won. And let's have a look at the highlights. And it was probably one of the more shocking things that I ever seen when I just witnessed it. What? Okay, so I don't know how modern bullfights are conducted and I don't know whether they've brought in any kind of you know animal protection sort of legislation, but historically they just torture the creature, make it fight, and then kill it. That's right. So essentially how it works in the modern bullfight is that they have these javelins that are treated and sharp and basically the bull runs at them and they're dodging the bull while sticking javelins or spikes into it to the point where the bull Barbie ones that don't the javelins don't come out yeah yeah to the point where the like by the end the bull has just a ton of javelins hanging out of it and it collapses and then they finish it off yeah, nah, nah, it, nah, 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 nah. It's nah, nah, probably nah. one nah. of the one Just of the nah. most grotesque things. I could get into some details that made it really like the first time I watched it, I was like, "This." I'm glad is, they banned this. This is gnarly, bro. Like when I watched it the first time, I was like quite shocked. I was I was like a 15 year old kid. I didn't necessarily have any conscience about you know animals or anything. I was like, I don't know who cares. But at the same time, like watching watching a bullfight for the first time. Uh, on television, in fact, it was just like a... It's like, you know, the, the local um, cricket match or whatever's on and they've televised it. That's what it was like, watching watching a bullfight. It's just, oh, you know, a Sunday, they've got the, the bullfight on Spain, uh, like on TV from Cartagena or whatever. And I remember watching it and just being so rocked. I recognise that in a world of sin, there are times when we need to kill animals. Mm. There is never a time that we need to torture animals. That's right. That's the, that's the difference. And there is a time and a place to kill animals... But there is never a time and a place to torture animals. There is a big defense, you know, by the bullfighting industry saying, oh, no, this is a cultural tradition. This represents something. But ultimately, yeah, again, culture. you know, you know what else is like you could consider like cultural heritage and tradition like slavery. Yeah. You know, like, and we're like, no, that's really bad and awful. So we got rid of it. And so like the aesthetics of bullfighting, I love their, you know, their outfits that they wear and whatnot. But actually like torturing these animals to death and killing them like that is awful and terrible and it's a blood sport i'm happy that this is going forward like you are happy that this is going forward i am happy no bull deserves to go through this and it's cool to see that uh a lot of people so this is actually in mexico not in spain in spain they're still like holding out you know they're like this is where bullfighting comes from but in mexico like slowly by slowly each one of the states are just unanimously coming to the decision where and this mean this is a much less developed country than spain spain needs to catch up that's right but this is the thing it's like spain is where it comes from and yeah that's right yeah and yeah correct uh, yeah. Spain should be where it stops. 
Yeah. <laughs> you started it, you stop it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, man. But it's actually, dude, if this started to happen in Spain, it would it would be a very controversial thing. I think to a lot of Spaniards, it'd be like, kind of like the whole, like, oh, you're changing our culture and you're trying to chuck out our history and and all that stuff. But at the same time, you know, and, and they would compare it to the whole, like, oh, you're trying to do the whole throwing uh, throwing statues into the river and getting rid of monuments. This is just an attack on our culture. But ultimately, building statues and having monuments doesn't yeah, if torture you want a statue animals. Of, if you want yeah. a statue of bullfighting, go for it. Yeah. Put a plaque at the bottom, say this was our culture, this is how it developed, this was the, the culture and environment in which it took place, and this is how it went too long, and this is how we finished yeah, it. Stop torturing bulls. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting, uh, just a, a, a text message coming through from Darren right now to point out that you know we compare this to slavery, which was very much a part of the culture of the entire world. Yeah. There was no country on the planet that did not have a culture of slavery, mm. and uh, we were glad to see that culture disappear. Darren pointing out that slavery still exists. There's more people enslaved right now than what there was, you know, during the eighteen sixties, during the Civil War. And of course, uh I think the difference is that it is not condoned by legislation of a particular government. It is instead something that is done more behind the scenes where the government turns a blind eye to it. Mm-hmm. And definitely something that we need to be very, very aware of. And we need to fight against whenever we get that opportunity. Mm. So, yeah, doesn't matter whether something's cultural, the culture is bad, get rid of the culture. Simple yep. as that. Speaking of culture and things that are bad for us, I come across one of the silliest studies that I have ever seen in my whole life. Well, this is going to be fun. Like, essentially, it was a study, and the conclusion of this study and what these people are trying to propagate and pander and you know try to uh come to a conclusion on is basically as a result of this study they're like yes social media and watching television and video games is actually good for children because it makes them smarter this was this is what they said who paid for this study actually increases intelligence so this was a study that came out of the university of amsterdam and they were like yeah like if if kids uh, play video games like they took some uh they took some some All right, data I see, from I see a bunch your of children. study and I raise your study with a study coming out of the University of South Australia that says children universally record much higher levels of happiness and well-being without screens. Yeah. Like like yes, like totally agree. And and, and I was just like looking okay, what's the methodology of the study? How did they yeah, come coming. How did they come to the conclusion that this is like correct? Uh, what what is like what were they doing to to make sense of this? And essentially, they just like took a bunch of kids and asked them some questions, and they were like, "Oh, you seem to be," and then got them to do IQ tests. Now, like, you seem to be smart. But what they didn't do is have a control group that didn't play video games, that didn't use social media, and didn't use television. So they're like, "Oh, there's no difference between doing these things and not doing these things." But it's like. You haven't even compared. You haven't even compared a group that isn't engaged with playing video games or social media or watching television. Like, all you've done is said, kids seem to be smarter when they do this because by doing it, it doesn't seem that they change much. But it's like, compared to what? Compared to what? I was so baffled by, and it's like, okay, let's say, let's say there's a world out there where video games, and by the way, they said the increase of playing video games was like two and a half IQ points. 
<laughs> I'm like, wow, that's that's crazy. Uh, but let's say there's a world out there where, you know, yes, this is absolutely true. Okay, well, then we're just going to enable crippling social media and video game addiction so that people can get marginally smarter. This is like the silliest thing ever. Thank you for listening to my rant. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We're about to have more serious news, but before we get into that more serious news, let's have another question for our quiz. Let's see how many of these questions you can get right this morning. Ooh, in Acts chapter 8, Philip baptised a man from which country? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer. And if you do know the answer, then you can go into the draw to win our prize for this morning. Well, not for this morning, for this week. Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings by Ellen G. White. We have an incredible leather-bound edition of, like, probably one of the most amazing books, one of the most awesome deep dives into Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. If you would like this, you just need to answer the questions correctly, and you will get more and more draws to go into the quiz, and so more and more chances to win the draw in the quiz. But again, that uh, that question was, in Acts chapter 8, Philip baptized a man from blank. Okay. You got me stirred up with that. That yeah. ridiculous piece of research where there was no control group. Because the University of South Australia, when they did their research, uh-huh. they had a control group because uh-huh. they researched 62,000 students. Yeah, well. That's a lot. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. And they found that uh, students that played sport instead of computer games were 15% more optimistic, 14% more happy, 14% more satisfied, 10% better able to regulate emotion. And students that played computer games instead of sport were 9% less likely to be happy, 8% less optimistic, and 11% less persevering. Mm. This is a very simple equation, friends. This is information that we have known for a very, very long time. I wasn't talking, planning to talk about this this morning. But you triggered me and you've triggered you know, a few other people out there, I'm sure, and I'm hoping because I'm hoping that we will hear from our listeners on this one this morning. When uh, you know research comes out, that is absolutely and, and very patently and obviously ridiculous. We need mm. to call it out mm-hmm. and we need to... But you're asking the question, okay, who's paying for this research? Yeah. You know, what kind of a, seriously? And who's ever going to take this kind of thing seriously? Talking about not taking things seriously, uh, Kamala Harris is in the United States, the vice president, has spoken about the overturning of Roe versus Wade okay. and the introduction of anti abortion laws in many of the states. About half of the states look like they will uh, outlaw abortion. It's already illegal in 10 states. Mm. And you've got a, a whole bunch more that will very quickly follow. <coughs> Making an interesting statement here. Let me see if you can uh, make sense of this one. Okay, so she says this, and I quote The court actually took a constitutional right that has been recognized for half a century and took it from the women of America. Okay, I understand exactly what she's saying right there, and that makes sense considering where she's coming from. And then she says this one. Right? Think about this. And when we think about it, everyone has something at risk on this. First of all, if you are a parent of sons, do think about what this means for the life of your son and what that will mean in terms of the choices he will have. Okay, Kamala? What does that actually mean? 
Please explain to me okay, so what that actually saying, means. Is she saying if you have sons, this like overturning Roe v. Wade? Explain what she's and saying. I- I'm trying to decipher it right. Now. <laughs> okay, overturning Roe v. Wade and getting rid rid of abortion rights will be bad for your sons because then they can be more uh, sexually active and less monogamous, and you know reaping all the bad consequences that come from that instead of like okay okay well let's let, let, let's let's think about this for a second right so previously when abortion is available uh-huh. right um there's no pressing responsibility for any male to practice responsible sex because there's always an out available mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know it's it's better to have safe sex because it's going to cost you a little bit less money mm-hmm uh, but if you choose to, in the moment, like, nah, you know, I'm just not going to have safe sex, uh, then or responsible sex, then uh, you pay the $500 for the abortion, and as a male, you're off the hook, you walk away. Mm. Uh, you walk away from a lifetime of depression, guilt, misery that you have caused in the life of that woman, but you're off scot-free. Mm. This is what abortion oh. laws produce. You can then move on to the next victim. Uh-huh. Okay, so so that's what abortion does. Now abortion has been done away with in so many of these states. So now if he if 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 he the son practices irresponsible sex, he becomes a father. Uh-huh. And he now will take on the responsibility for his actions and pay child support for the rest of his life. Uh-huh. As he should. Because there is this thing called personal responsibility where Uh people take responsibility for their actions. Okay, so what's that going to do? That's going to motivate him to be responsible about his decisions, first of all, when he has sex Mm. and to practice safe sex when he has sex. Mm. To think about, do I want to have a child with this woman before he has sex with that woman? Mm. And this is somehow... I'm just trying to wrap yeah, my yeah. head around. Okay, where, Kamala, Kamala what, Harris, are you, what are you actually saying right Kamala here? Kamala Harris is saying that consequences for action and responsibility is detrimental to the development of men, and so therefore we should enable them to be abusers and you know be irresponsible. Oh, I get it now. <laughs> That's how we protect women. We enable men to be irresponsible sexually. Yeah, we enable them to be abusers. <laughs> I, it's just, I'm, I'm just struggling, guys. Yeah. I'm struggling so hard. It's just- and, but also, we like really want to remind you guys we are sympathetic to these situations. And, and this is one of the reasons. Sorry, I butted in. Yeah. No, but it's, we just wanted to remind you guys that, yeah, we are 100% on board with people seeking care and getting help for going through these situations. Absolutely. 131114 is the lifeline number. This is something that is disturbing for you, particularly because there are so many men out there who for the last 50, 60, 70 years have been absolute monsters mm. in the way that they have behaved towards women that they have gotten pregnant uh-huh. and now they're not able to get away with that anymore in many of the states in the United States, at least 10 right now. Mm. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, moving on to another story. This is another one coming out of the Supreme Court. This relates to a football cult coach 
cult. <laughs> a football, football coach. coach. Okay. A coach. Yes, a football coach. Uh-huh. There are football cults. Uh-huh. Yes, that that's a thing. Um, some of you belong to those. You should you should probably fess up to hey, that. Hey, 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 don't talk about the New South Wales Blues. Like come on, come on. You know who you are. Uh, now, this is a football coach who, at the end of each game, he would pull his team together and have prayer with them on the field. Oh, classic. He got fired for that. Oh. Um, <laughs> because this was something that, because it was in a public school. Okay. Now, the Supreme Court has just ruled that this particular individual, Joseph Kennedy, was fired in 2015, and he was a part-time assistant football coach. Supreme Court has just ruled that his actions are protected by his rights under the U.S. Constitution's <laughs> First Amendment, wh- Amendment, which pr- protects free speech and free religious expression. Mm. Okay, so this is a couple of things that come into play right here. I think that everybody has the right to be able to freely uh, express their views and to pray in public whenever and however they want to. That should be something that is never taken away. If they are coercing or forcing other people to be a part of that, that's a different issue. Yeah. Some of the parents did complain about this, and this is an interesting thing to sort of stop and think about because, Lawson, let's say that you're a 13-, 14-year-old football player uh-huh. and your coach calls the team together for prayer at the end of the game, but you're a completely secular person because at that age you were. Mm-hmm. How are you going to feel about that? Would you feel under peer pressure to join in that prayer? Um I can speak from experience because, interestingly, like, I grew up in a secular family, but I went to exclusively Christian schools. Yes. And so, yeah, there was a bit of, like, you know, me, like, going along with pe- what people were doing. Uh, but I can honestly say, reflecting on that time, and, and, and I, like, yeah, I... <laughs> I don't know. It was just like because we would we would pray play uh, we would pray before we'd like play volleyball or basketball or something like that. Like we would because we were at a Christian school, so it was okay. Sure. I wasn't. You a Christian. expect that at a Christian school? Uh, yeah, but even though I wasn't a Christian, I was like, like yeah, okay, whatever. Like so it was not something that was offensive. Uh, or something. No, like how? Like yeah. how can it be offensive to me? I'm, you know, and, and I see this all the time because we invite people over to our place to, to have dinner or whatever, and I pray with them before we eat, even if they're not Christian. And who's going to get mad about that? I think you've raised some really interesting points in relationship to this. Unfortunately, we are out of time. A bunch of you texting in about this ridiculous piece of research that Lawson was talking about earlier in relationship to screen time. So we're going to have lots of comments on that coming through later. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Let's have another clue for our quiz and then let's go to interview of the day. Who alone did Jesus say knows the day and the hour in which he shall return? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. And if you do, you can go into the draw, into the running, to win Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings by Ellen G. White. An incredible leather edition of that book, which like has some of the best content that you will read out there about the words of Jesus and the things that he said. Yeah, but again, 491 is the number to call or text. And that question was, who alone did Jesus say knows the day or the hour in which he will return? Okay, well, joining us on the phone this morning to talk about emotional health because it is Wednesday is Jennifer Skews. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thank you. Jennifer, where are we picking up the subject this week? We, uh, yeah, that's, where are we picking up from last week? 
Well, last week we talked, uh, we were focused on fast tracking, slow tracking and looking at thoughts and beliefs and um, the types of things we program and it causes us to think the way we do and then we're going to feel that way. So if we have worrying thoughts, we're going to have fear and anxiety um, and that manifests in the body and how we function. So we sort of looked at that timeline, which is important because when you um, have an emotional response, even things like joy and happiness, we always have thinking that corresponds and we have beliefs that correspond. So if you want to change anything, you have to change what you believe. You can't change a thought or a feeling or an action until you change the belief that drives it. Um, and so one of the things I thought we could look at today, it's a model that um, I've sort of developed over time and I just call it the past, present and future model and it looks at time orientation because the only place we have is in the now. Yet most people don't live in the now. They live in the past or live in the future. Um, and I find when you understand that time orientation, it helps you to certainly correct your beliefs because a lot of our beliefs are from the past. It's what we you know, I call it brainwashing half the time. It's what uh, our family have taught us. It might be to do with the social um, scene that we're in, the media. There is so much. And today when you look at the sorts of beliefs, a lot of them are very fear beliefs. So to live in the present, we cannot keep focusing on the past. When we focus on the past and we look at the emotional, what I call the emotional baggage we've not dealt with along the way, we can get very depressed. And so depression is really a disorder where we spend a lot of time dragging up the past, thinking on what happened, what I should have done, what I didn't do, my failures, um, or things that we think we've done wrong and not resolved. Um, and there's no way you can not be depressed while you think like that and you focus on it. And it's, there's a term that you've probably heard before, um, and people say, oh, they're a bit mindless today. And when you're a bit mindless, you, in other words, you're not focused in the present. And so the present is all we have. And when you look at it from a, a Christian perspective, where is God? He's in the present. He's not, and we know he knows the past, he knows the future, but he's here in the here and now. And it's only when we're in the here and now that we can focus on that. So does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I guess that pops into my mind is that sometimes I live a little bit too much in the present and not enough in the future. Um, which can let me down from time to time. And I, but I think it's a little bit different from what you're talking about. So my wife will come to me and she's like, have you have you reminded the person who's doing the interview tomorrow? I'm like, tomorrow? What's tomorrow? Where did tomorrow come from? Why would I be working on tomorrow? Sufficient under the day is the evil thereof. Hmm. So there's a difference. There's obviously a difference between living in the future, living with anxiety, um, yes. and also being a responsible human being who remembers what is coming up tomorrow, having a, a one-year plan, a five-year plan, working those strategies. Where do we? How do we draw the line between the, the the difference between those kinds of things? Well, when we're living in the present, we are aware of the future, but not in a way that we're worrying about it. Um, in a way that we actually are being mind, what we call mindful. So I'm mindful. Maybe tomorrow I've got an appointment and I needed to change it. So what I do is write things. I've got a diary or an agenda. I write so because otherwise, like you, I get very. Uh, focused in the present. 
So we we still have to take responsibility for what's going to happen ahead of time, but we can't spend the day worrying about, oh, I've got that appointment tomorrow and what's going to happen or I haven't rung them and this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So there's a difference between worrying about the future and knowing we have responsibilities. Um, but And we can get caught up in the present um, with things and but often we don't realise when we get caught up in the present, we might be worrying about something that we don't need to worry about, um, or we might get overloaded in the present, take on too many things, um, and that causes stress. But when we're truly focused in the present, it's what we call we're being mindful. I'm aware of what's happening around me. I pace myself. Um, my my feelings are appropriate, um, and if I have an odd feeling, I can pick it up and work with it. So it's like um, it's we're a work in progress. We're in balance. Sure. And yeah, and this has to do with main focus. So I can plan for the future, and so I can mm-hmm. I can map out tomorrow. Okay, tomorrow I'm going. I've got this appointment. I've got to make yep. these phone calls in relationship to getting you know tomorrow's show organised, uh, which is just a responsible way of you know being a, a, a working human being. But then I could also alternatively I could sit down and or I could start to mull over in my mind. Oh, what if, what if. What if the interview for tomorrow falls through? What if Lawson doesn't show up at work? Uh, what if the... Wow, are you worrying about that often? What if the, like? what if the computer crashes? <laughs> uh, I, I worry about this all the time, Lawson. You know, oh, wow. right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's so many times it happens. No. No, when? <laughs> when? When? Especially in the last couple of weeks, Lali, serious? <laughs> <laughs> no, Lawson's always uh, a faithful worker and always, always on time, 100% of the time. Um, <clears throat> But but there's a difference between there's a difference between there's a difference between me then planning for tomorrow, getting everything organized for tomorrow. Yes. As opposed to stressing out over what might go wrong, because all of these things might go wrong tomorrow. Um and you know, planning, I guess, in many ways, you know, we plan to have contingencies in place in case, you know, many of these things do happen, but that's just a part of a natural planning process. It that is. enables us yeah. to, I guess, stress out about. So stressing out about things that may go wrong is different from, mm-hmm. from planning for things that you need to do in the future. Yes, that's correct. And this is where, sure, things can happen in the future. Things we might fear might happen. But what I do is get people to do a, uh, a future plan. How would, If that happens to you, what would you do about it? So when you worry about something in the present, if you, Look at, for example, for you, what if someone, uh, what if Lawson doesn't appear at work if you have a backup plan? And that takes that stress away. Yes, because when that then, or if that then eventuates, plan B just kicks in and away you go. Yeah. And when you do that, and I found that if I don't do that, like most people, I start getting anxious about something. um, And I used to do that a lot. And I would fear things that would never happen. Um, Mark Twain had a, a great saying, um, and he said, uh, he had some great sayings. He said, I've been through some terrible things in my life, some of which actually happened. So how often have we lived the future in the present and it never happens? It's mm. Uh, mm. something we will do. So this is where if you work smart in the present, and we've talked about the 
autonomic nervous system and we've got the sympathetic, which is the uh, accelerator, and the parasympathetic, which is the brake. And when we're in the present, we're actually, we might be accelerating, we might be braking. But if we start looking at the future with fear, we're putting on the accelerator and we're over revving and we've got adrenaline and cortisol charging us. So that's where we've got to put the brake on and we can only do that in the present. And that's where I, I talked about doing the breathing, heart focus, breathing, calm the heart down, get the brain back online. And then you can think rationally about what would you do about that problem. Mm. So it's like we're driving the car and we're the car and we've got to stop at the, the lights and change gears and do all these things. And it's no different for us in the present moment. And when we do that and we do it well, then the stress is minimal. And this is where I find spiritually that through my relationship with God and his leading, it helps me to do that. It takes the fear away. Um, and, and this is important. And this is where prayer and study the word and doing things like that can certainly help us to drive that car a lot better through the day. Um, we have less stress. So having good contingencies in plan mm-hmm. enable, for the future enables us to is – is a good way of lessening our anxiety for the future. Absolutely. What and about, that's where – go on. Yep, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say that's where God comes into it because we know that he is a God of love and he will help us through the troublesome times so we have nothing to fear. That the Bible tells us to be anxious for nothing, yes. not to worry about anything. Uh, we've got enough for today without worrying about tomorrow, and God will help us with it all. So if you trust that one verse in Matthew 6.34, then you can't go wrong. It yes. works. Yes, yes, absolutely. Now, it seems to me that it, there's, a, there's a more straightforward approach to dealing with anxiety in the future because we can, we can construct you know, good contingencies. Yes. If this happens, then that. Uh, in the past, it becomes a little bit more complex because we can't, we don't, none of us have a time machine. We can't go back and change the past. But are there things that we can do in the present that affect things in the past? And I'm thinking of things like forgiveness. You know, somebody has wronged us or we have wronged somebody else. And this is causing us depression because of what has happened in the past. Yeah, yeah. But it comes back to what we look at well, with forgiveness is a good example because if I haven't forgiven someone in the past, that bothers me. It keeps coming up or yes. this is where depression comes into it. But that's where I have to learn the art of forgiveness. And sometimes you have to go to that person and that's not always easy um, or let them know that uh, or if you've done the wrong thing, to go and apologise to that person. So how can I resolve the past in the present? And sometimes you can't do that. Um, and this is where I find I'll pray about it or give it to God and find a solution. But then we have to let it go. You know, how many people um, forgive and then pick it up again? You know, We still have to work in the present to put it back in the past once we've resolved it. Yes, yeah, but it's not always easy with the past because people accumulate the baggage and I'm thinking of um, children who are abused or neglected and they've had trauma in their life, then they carry a huge load in the present and this is where post-traumatic stress comes into it and that's where like anxiety and depression are part of that. 
Um, so that takes a lot more to work at. Um, and I know I've talked before about when we, all the memories we have and all the experiences we've had mentally, emotionally, um, go into every cell of the body. So this is where allowing in the present to release that memory on the cellular level, and that's where that breathing comes into it. Because when you dial up the past and it's a, a trauma and a trigger can cause it, like I know people who've been in war zones, if they hear thunder or a car backfire, immediately they drag up the fear and the trauma of that past. Well, I get them to do the breathing, the calming and the rethinking and reorientation. Mm. Um, and every time they do that, the nervous system releases the memory of it on that level because that's what it's dialed up. Um, that fear or that anxiety. And over time, you chip away at it because it's such a big chunk of their life that they've dwelt on for many years. It takes time to do it. But every time they do it, they feel a bit better and they can see the difference over time. So it takes time sometimes to release that past trauma. Um, And forgiving someone because of what they did is important. And I think this is one of the keys to it is that, you know, for somebody who's suffering from this, to understand mm. that the brain does rewire itself and that this Absolutely. is not going to be, you know, if they if they follow the correct path here, this is not something they will live for. They're not condemned to a, a lifetime of living with this. No, they're not. And we can get beyond the past. doesn't mean, we, I find when you actually work at the past and release something and it's not embedded in the whole brain and the system and we don't keep dragging it up, Certainly you function a lot better in the present, but when you think of that event, it will always be sad. Like the loss of a loved one is highly traumatic and it will always be sad. But if we continue to grieve and there's unresolved issues we don't deal with, then we can never get over it. We're stuck in it in the present. Mm. So so I think it's important to realise that there are certain memories we have that we might not be affected by in the present, but the memory of it is still going to not be a good one. Um, and that's okay because that's the reality of life, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So. Jennifer mm. Skews, thank you so much for joining us once again. Always really appreciate what you have to share here on Faith FM. But mm-hmm. Lawson, your news story about computer games and screen time supposedly increasing IQ has <laughs> created a storm of controversy. Uh-huh. Darren Pratt has spent a lifetime working with children and in children's ministry. He joins us on the phone right now. Darren Pratt, welcome back to the show again. Yes, great to join you. But um, I must say, as I listened to Lawson's um, positive news this morning, I literally snorted my hot chocolate <laughs> and I thought I had to call in because... Um, this study goes against all other studies and social so research, true. and um, I've read. It's just unbelievable. Mm. Um, what, what I'm seeing is I've moved back into coalface um, with children in chaplaincy, and I'm seeing a huge uptick um, in moving back in, in mental health issues, anxiety, depression, and, and other issues in not just young adults, but in, in um, primary school children. And um, really, um, the research is saying that um, children not getting outdoors, enjoying outdoors and and playing and sport is contributing to this. To me, it seems to be like a very simple no-brainer uh, formula right here. 
outdoors, in the sunshine, fresh air is going to be good for children, indoors, stuck to a screen is going to be bad for children. How is this hard to understand? I just, I just can't believe it because um, the research says even one hour online for children is addictive and detrimental to their to their health. And, and we as parents need to realise that when we hand our children a smartphone, well, you're literally handing them a a drug. Um, it basically causes the brain to rewire with addictive tendencies that allows these children then to um, be addicted to screens and gaming and all that happens with addiction. There's an interesting word that you use there. That's a very strong word when you take say drug because if we had parents who were handing cocaine to their children, we would say that that was child abuse. Uh, how powerful a drug is this? Well, David Gillespie, who's a well-known Australian researcher, says it's basically like handing them a drug. Um, it is it is highly addictive, especially in young children. We should keep them off screens if they need a device. We can buy them a phone that's not a smartphone, and that's the best way to um, parent our children. Is Try and hold off a smartphone as long as possible. Darren Pratt, thank you so much for joining us right now. We always appreciate your insights into children, and particularly on this one. I kind of figured it might have had your blood boiling when Lawson started in on it. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.